Good morning. I'm James Holman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Thursday, May 7th. In today's news, reversing course, President Trump says the coronavirus task force will continue indefinitely. America's coronavirus divide is reflected in the story of two New Mexico mayors. And a woman in New York goes $600,000 in debt to buy protective equipment for medical workers. But first, the big idea. The global search for a treatment targeting the coronavirus has led to an unlikely potential savior, a cocoa-colored llama named Winter, whose blood could hold a secret weapon to blunt the contagion. She lives at a research farm in Belgium with about 130 other llamas and alpacas. And like all of them, she produces a special class of disease-fighting antibodies, tiny even by antibody standards, that show early promise in laboratory tests in blocking the novel coronavirus from entering and infecting cells. In a new paper for the journal Cell, an international team of scientists reports that these antibodies harvested from winter's blood were used to engineer a new antibody that binds to the spiky proteins that stud the surface of the coronavirus, thereby neutralizing its insidious effect. This study, though preliminary, points to a possible treatment for COVID-19 if the results can hold up in animal and then human studies. Winter the llama is the cuddly face of a broader and urgent scientific crusade, to create coronavirus drugs inspired by the targeted responses mustered by our body's immune systems. Winter's antibodies are a niche kind that are called nanobodies, and they're prized by researchers because of their ability to get into nooks and crannies and because they're slow to degrade in the body. Other scientists are exposing laboratory mice to the coronavirus spike protein and studying the blood of people who have recovered from COVID-19 to identify traditional antibody drugs. While work continues in the labs, U.S. hospitals are already harnessing naturally occurring antibodies to treat patients by providing experimental transfusions of blood plasma from survivors, hoping that that plasma, rich with virus-fighting antibodies, can save lives. With a widely available vaccine probably at least a year away, antibody therapies have become, in the eyes of some experts, one of the most promising weapons against a pandemic that is, as of this morning, wiped out more than a quarter of a million people. The antibodies inspired by Winter the Llama are still far from being tested in people, though. Belgian researchers are only now starting preclinical trials on hamsters, But other efforts to create more traditional antibody drugs are moving forward fast with the hope that they could provide a bridge until we get the vaccine. The fastest way to a coronavirus treatment would be to repurpose an existing drug with a long proven safety record. And to that end, scientists are pulling many time-tested drugs off the shelf to see whether they show promise in laboratory experiments, and they're moving some into the clinic. But the antibody treatments could provide a powerful, targeted way to quickly develop a new drug that not only treats the disease, but also could prevent people from becoming ill in the first place. Winter the Llama was randomly selected from her herd to participate in this vital research. 
Like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer guiding Santa's sleigh, she's become a hero in this story of our search for a cure. And that's the big idea. Here are three other headlines that should be on your radar. Number one, President Trump declared on Wednesday that the White House Coronavirus Task Force would, quote, continue on indefinitely, reversing his suggestion not 24 hours earlier that it would soon be disbanded. This reflects an administration increasingly torn between a drive for normalcy and pressure to show caution, which polls show is what the American people want. Privately and publicly, Trump has pushed to reopen the country, though the decision to do so lies more with the governors who have ordered businesses closed in their states. But each time the president or state leaders take a step toward reopening, they're confronted with the hard reality that this pandemic is far from over. The task force has met less frequently in recent days, and the press briefings have stopped. Trump has said he expects they'll resume at some point, albeit less frequently. On Twitter yesterday, he said the task force will now be very focused on vaccines and therapeutics. Despite glimmers of progress, our country remains very much in the throes of crisis. The United States reported more than 20,000 new coronavirus cases and more than 1,800 new deaths Yesterday alone, the total killed in the United States now stands at more than 73,000, and the total infected at more than 1.2 million. Number two, Louis Bonaguidi had been mayor of the tiny city of Gallup, New Mexico, set among high desert buttes and Native American reservations for just a matter of hours last week when the governor called. She congratulated him on his election, and then Michelle Lujan Grisham gave her condolences because people have been dying in the city and the state was locking it down. The new mayor was not disappointed to hear that state troopers would be deployed to blockade all roads into and out of Gallup. He was relieved. He believed this was the only way to stop local hospitals from spinning out of control during an outbreak that's already overwhelmed them. But less than an hour's drive east on historic Route 66, in the even smaller city of Grants, the mayor was fighting a very different enemy last week. The governor. Mayor Modi Hicks was screaming at state troopers he had derided as Gestapo and leading a rebellion against Lujan Grisham's statewide stay-at-home orders. He was encouraging local businesses on his city's hard luck main drag to defiantly reopen. He said there was no sense shutting down the economy just because of a virus that, like the flu, needed to be left to, as he put it, take its course. Now, the disparate reactions from these two mayors within the same region of a single state, reported by the Post's Robert Klemko and Griff Whitty, reflect America's ever-widening gulf in the struggle against COVID-19. As the country attempts to navigate its way out of a pandemic without slipping into full economic depression, every state, city, and county leader is making his or her own determinations about how to weigh the threats. And they're coming to very different conclusions. Gallup and Grants, though geographically close, represent opposite ends of the spectrum. One mayor volunteered for his city to be cut off from the world, a surefire blow to the economy, but one that might save lives. Another sought to boost flailing local businesses but in a way that public health experts and the governor say is deeply reckless. Number three. A 65-year-old sculptor 
named Rhonda Roland Shearer, has emerged as the patron saint of PPE in New York City. She's leveraged a substantial line of credit to get personal protective equipment that she's handing out to frontline medical workers who don't have it. She's focused on going to hospitals in the poorest parts of the city that are overwhelmed and not getting the resources they need. Nationwide, the PPE shortage has fueled a tense political standoff between federal, state, and local government officials, one that's left many frontline medical workers to fend for themselves. In March, Trump told the country's governors on a conference call to, quote, try to get it yourself, forcing states and hospitals to compete with one another for life-saving equipment. Now, Rhonda doesn't present as a skilled medical supplies haggler, but that's all she's doing right now, working on this 18 to 20 hours a day to either hunt down good prices for PPE or standing outside hospitals, asking employees what they need and then getting it for them. She's a rarity in the Tony Manhattan neighborhood of Soho, where she's lived in an artist's loft for decades. Everyone else in her circle of friends fled to their second homes in the Hamptons or even farther afield when the contagion seized the city. Not Rhonda. This is where she feels at home. Her goal has been to bypass an equipment distribution system that she believes is failing workers on the front lines, as well as nonprofit workers and the homeless. Over the past month, according to bank statements and receipts that she shared with the Post, Rhonda has gone from zero debt to borrowing more than $600,000 on a home equity line of credit to buy wholesale masks, gloves, hand sanitizer, and face shields. Rhonda had first tried to source deals and pass them along to city agencies, but the government bureaucracy didn't move fast enough, and so the PPE that she had secured for New York instead went somewhere else. She decided that the only way to get workers what they needed was to do it herself. This is what makes America great. People like Rhonda who see a need and step up to fill it. And that's The Daily 202 for Thursday, May 7th. Thanks for listening. I'm James Holman. I'll talk to you tomorrow.